Hi, and welcome to the July episode of Henrico Happenings. I'm Kristen Smith. And I'm Victoria Davis. You know, um, ever since March, we've seen a lot of crisis and change and everything going on in our country um, and around the world, but the, the coronavirus to start with, and now within the last month or so, we've really seen a lot of discussion about racial discrimination in our country and trying to bring about change, that sort of thing. Absolutely. Um, so we're seeing some history being made right now and um, want to talk a little bit about history because we do have a program, um, a show that we produced a couple of years ago called Desegregation, Stories of Integration of Henrico Public Schools. And we thought with all of the discussions going on currently, it might be a great idea to look back at where we've come from so far. Absolutely, and we're just so honored to even have um, some of the folks that were featured in that story still alive and present with us to be able She's to continue more than alive. She's kicking. <laughs> to tell their stories and to share um, this great history with us. So today in the studio, we have Reverend Barbara Miller, who's going to be in with us just to give her give us her experience and tell us her story um, while taping this uh, show within Rico Public Relations and also just sharing from her viewpoint what she thinks from integration uh, back then up until this point of racism. Um, have you seen any progression, any changes? So we're so excited to have her. Thank you for being here, Reverend Miller. You're very welcome. I'm glad to be a part. This allows me to continue my story. So. Okay, now your story, um, you were a member of the Varina class of 1968, correct? Correct. So you were among some of the first students, first African-American students to go to Varina High School. I was one of the first 11 that started Varina High School. So there were 11 of us, and we were there. <laughs> we weren't wanted, but we were there. You tell your story in our program that we produced. Yes. Um, why was it important for you to share those experiences? If you don't tell your story, history will tell your story, and the way someone else looks at your story will not be the same. There are so many stories out there that need to be told, and I don't know why people are afraid to or they don't want to, but for me, in telling my story, it really it was my opportunity to release a lot of the anger that had been built up over the years that I didn't even realize how angry I was. It was an opportunity to just breathe and be at peace. When you are in that situation, when we were in that situation, one of the things we could not do was be angry. We had to do as Jackie Robinson was told. You have to head up, keep moving forward. Don't react to what was going on around you. You had to move, be above it. You had to be better than that because the stereotype was not what we wanted to project. And we were the beginning. So if we didn't get it right, I have no idea what would have happened at Verina. Well, and you, you talk about telling your story. It was not a fairy tale. Absolutely not. And I remember you said, I, I wiped out, I tried to wipe out my freshman year memories of everything that had happened. And I pretty much did. 
in talking with other members of that group, it's amazing how we remember different things and putting together the pieces. It's like putting together a big collage. And so when you don't tell your part of it, there's a hole missing in that collage. Everybody looks at things from a different perspective and how you react to things and how you process. It's based on your own experiences and what you've been told and what you've been taught. And when some of those myths are shattered and you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I deal with this? It's a whole lot to take in. So you just take it in and you live from day to day. You survive. You don't thrive in that type of environment. So looking back um, at the show, um, because that's what we're relating this interview to, do you feel like that you all, that Verona 11, made the progress or made any impact and change to the way uh, integration had happened back in the 60s up until this point? We made a change. That we did do. I look, I went back to my first reunion for the 50th reunion two years ago. And it was amazing to see the people that we went to school with and some of the teachers. In some cases, I could see that our presence impacted how they felt about an African-American. And others, it was still the same, I don't want to be near you. Did our presence change? It changed for Rhina, it changed us. From my vantage point, however, what it did mostly, it gave us that foothold to move forward. Both Jackie and I, after being told we would never amount to anything, both of us acquired master's degrees. Success is great revenge. (laughs) (laughs) I look at our children. Both of our children have accomplished much. My son went to MIT and then got a master's from Darton School of Business at UVA. Jackie's daughter went to UVA and then got a master's degree from William & Mary. We put those blocks, that foundation, in place for our children and for the children that came after because I was the first college graduate in my family. So I set the example for my family. They have now set the example for their families and one family at a time. And yes, one of the wonderful things, those first 11 all did well. Some uh, died too early, too soon, but we did well. We did not succumb to anything negative. We continued to thrive. We continued to grow. We continued to hunker our little mountains. Uh, I'll never be a Martin Luther King, but I do know that what I have done started in adversity and it has bloomed into a triumph for not only my family, but for many families that since have gone to Verina. Now, the other side of that, there's still so much work to be done. I, like everyone else, have sat by the television screen over the last few weeks and go, there's just so much work to be done. 
there's so many people that are still stuck for one reason or the other. And our country right now is going through such a divide. I think back to the 60s with the marches. I think back to seeing the images of that time. And then when it first started, all I could think about was Rodney King saying, can't we just get along? And I had to go back and look up the date. That was in 92. That was almost 30 years ago. You could put those pictures side by side and you would know the difference except for hairstyles and dress. We've had Barack Obama as our first African-American president, but we don't see the progress that I felt, especially in education, would be happening now. You see the disparity, and that for me is frustrating. Do you think, especially maybe younger people right now, and I say younger, younger than you and (laughs) younger than me, because we're talking about something that happened 50-plus years ago. Do you think there's something they might garner from watching this show, something that might strike a chord with them looking at today and looking at back in the middle 60s? I think so, because what they will see is how one great movement propelled the people forward. We are in what I believe is that next wave, that tidal wave. You know, you have your little ripples, Along the way, the water looks calm, and then you have a tidal wave. I think we're now in a tidal wave where mom and dad, big mom, big dad, because right now I would be the grandmother for those children that are in their 20s. I'm going, wow. They have to know that there is connection between what they're doing and what has been done that they're continuing a work that did not begin with them, but and it will not end with them. I have gotten very pessimistic over my lifetime. I don't believe that we will see the end of racism in my lifetime, simply because I see so much hate still very pervasive in our society. And I think this is a wake-up call for a lot of people because so many folks have said, yes, we've made it. And now to see that we've made it to first base, we're not at home yet. Mm -hmm. So I believe we will move forward. I believe we, I know we cannot move backwards. I am hoping that People just take this opportunity to reflect on what isn't right. We see a whole lot of stuff that just isn't right, and we see that it's not just African Americans at this time that are suffering. We see Hispanics suffering. We see immigrants suffering, all because they want what the United States says it is capable of equal opportunity for all, equal justice for all. They see the American dream, and I still believe the American dream is possible. Absolutely. So how important do you think it is now for folks to share their stories, to get out, um, to be more active in their communities? Because um, 
what they they tend to tell you silence is the most powerful tool but now i think is the time that we should not be silent um so how powerful do you think is telling our stories to the world the world is watching and that's a big difference from the 60s back then there was no internet instagram <laughs> and all of the other things that make things instantaneous the world is watching how are we going to show what we are capable of being? We are capable of loving. We are capable of giving opportunity. We are capable of providing a whole lot we are not providing currently. How will we react to the challenge? If each person speaks in their own way, and I say each person vote not just for presidential elections, but also for your local elections, because it's a, as we've seen, the local officials, your mayors, are really in the thick of things. So your mayors, your governors, your senators, we need to vote. Many people died for the right to vote. Your vote is your voice. Once the cameras leave, the work will continue to be done. And sometimes it's not the loud people that get the most work done. It's those that are quietly working behind the scenes to make sure what needs to be done, what needs to be put in place, is put in place so that those that are the loudest can then promote, okay, this is what we've, this is the strategy we have. This is what we need to say. The loud folk are given that privilege of speaking for those that are silent. Everybody's not going to be out front. Everybody is not going to raise their voice. But everyone can be a part of the change. So encourage your parents and your grandparents to tell the stories of where they've come from. I still hear the stories of my great-grandfather as he was telling us stories of slavery as we were sitting on his place on the water. I still hear the stories of my grandmother, my grandfather, as they came into Henrico County. I still hear the stories of my father as he broke barriers in dirt bike racing. We each have a story that we can tell to let people know Yes, you may be the only one in the room. And in 2020, there are still places that African Americans go. They're the only one in the room. And they have to be prepared to be the only one in the room. Change is the operative word. Um, it was back in 1968 when you graduated, and it still is, unfortunately, today in 2020. Absolutely. But hopefully if the conversations continue, progress will continue. Absolutely. I believe love still conquers all. I believe our God is in charge and he's in control. And I believe America has the ability to change. What a powerful person. <laughs> yeah. What a powerful person. We thank you so much, Reverend Miller. You're very welcome. We appreciate your perspective. Thank you for sharing it with us. You're very welcome.
In the studio with us is Mr. Junius Brown, also known as Skip, and he's going to be with us just to talk about his experience during the integration of Verina High School back with the original Verina 11. Mr. Brown, thank you for being with us today. Thank you. This is my first time doing this. Uh, I'll correct you a little bit. I am known as Skip, but that was by my close friends. The people at Ferrana didn't know that. Matter of fact, Barbara, she didn't know that. Ah. My time at Ferrana was horrible. You had spitballs thrown at you from the time you uh, got on the bus, name calling, and even in the classroom. But I was the first black that was on the football team. And uh, that was pretty rough. Instead of blocking for you, they jump out the way and let you get hit. I've had people on the offensive team grab my legs and be hit. So it was not a good experience. I'm not a racist person. Uh, one time I was because of the experience I had with Ferrana. But uh, I learned by the Marine Corps and stuff like that to accept everybody for what's in their heart, not the color of the skin. But even though I was like that, it took a long time for me to look in those people's faces. I guess after 20 years, I look in those people's faces, I saw the instances, what they did to me as a child. And I went back on the 50th reunion for myself, and I didn't see that anymore. Of course, there were people that were good. I don't know if they were racist or not, it doesn't matter, but they were good. I remember one guy, I won't call his name out, he didn't recognize me after 50 years, but uh, I used to take him to the airport and we'd have really nice discussions because his uncle was a grand dragon. And uh, one time they uh, tried to burn a cross at a house and there was a white man across the street that dad was friends with came over to him and they told us to get on the floor. We had to lie on the floor. Well, dad and the other guy got out and uh, you know, shot over their heads and stuff so they wouldn't burn cross on our floor. So it's, it's, it was pretty, pretty rough for me, but uh, I persevered and uh, tried to make the best of it, what I could. Well, let me ask you this. It was a very difficult experience for you. If you had it to do all over again, would you have been one of the, the original Verina 11? Well, you know, at that age, uh, it's easy to say something like that now, but at that age, I was very respectful of my father. And to be put in a situation like that, I wouldn't wish that on nobody, to be honest with you. I just hope that now I see a little difference. You see white people now are with the blacks a lot more than it was back then. I guess my path in life, you learn from everything. That's what makes you the person you are today. Would I send a child out there to do that? I don't think I would. Why do you think it's important for people to see that story, though, and to know that this happened and to know and, and learn about the experiences y'all went through back in the 60s? We have always had a black man or black people has always had to fight one way or another. I remember the history books at the elementary school that said all men are created equal except Negroes. It was in the book. I couldn't believe it. They changed it. Uh, 
I feel that we all, on the back of whatever I did, hopefully my children will get on my back and get a little bit farther down the road to uh, recognize that we should be judged by what's in our heart, not the color of our skin. You know, in the Marine Corps, I used to, one of my friends was a white guy, and he would say to me, Skip, if you came to my house, my dad would shoot you on sight of me and your friends. I mean, when you're in the foxhole together, you don't see anything but green. I didn't anyway, you know. I excelled in the Marine Corps. I was a sergeant under two. I guess that's my training from my father always told me, regardless of whatever you do in life, try to do to make the best of it. Let me ask you this. What would you what would you want people today to know as we're seeing discussions about racial disparities, as we're seeing people hopefully making progress towards I, I won't say ending racism because I don't know how that happens, but what would you share with people today based on your experiences years ago? I think racism is pervasive. I think when a child is small, a kid is small, whatever color he is, he doesn't see racism. He sees a friend. Those attitudes are done by the parents. Don't talk to this person because whatever the reason is. Do you think we're making progress? Yes, I do. Because when Rodney King was beaten and they came out and quitted those people, those monsters, you know, and people rioted, the difference is now, I think, that people are sick and tired of that. We can't change things as black people. We can show our frustrations but it's got to be done by everybody. And that means white people, brown people, has to say, look, this is not, we need to change things the way they're done. I think they need psychological tests. Training is one thing. The very thing you say is training and training, training. That's fine, but you got some people that have attitudes, you know, it's just that bad. They're racist. I have no I have nothing for racists. I don't care who he is. I can talk to anybody, but I have no use for racists. Well, thank you, um, Mr. Brown, so much for coming in to share your story. We know that history is what matters. It's because once we know the history, it helps us to understand where we've come from. So we appreciate you coming in and sharing today. Well, that will do it, I guess, for our July episode of Henrico Happenings. As you heard, a lot happening and a lot has happened. It's history. It's something that we all need to keep in front of us as we move forward in trying to break down some of these barriers. And to hear more about the Verona 11, check us out on our YouTube channel with the desegregation stories of integration of Henrico County Public Schools. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.